one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay first thessalonians 5:17 pray without ceasing uh, back in the bible days uh, the preachers and prophets were known for having power in prayer i mean that was their main job was to pray uh, for people. And so there was an old prophet, I call him God's oil man, because the Lord uh, gave him an answer to prayer. And you know, it's not unusual that praying mothers give birth to praying children. When mothers cease to pray, their children cease to live for Christ. You put that down. When dads and mothers go in the wrong direction, it's hard to keep the children from going in that same direction. And so they came one day to this dear old prophet and said, uh, don't quit praying for us. You know what he said? God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for me. If you have been a prayer warrior, and because of sin and negligence, have ceased to pray. The Bible says, and the great prophet of the Old Testament says, you're living in sin. Of all the emergencies that we are the world or church and homes of every place, we face it now. Too great for us. I want you to enter into the service this morning and uh, let your heart be challenged uh, to really be a person of prayer. I have never read a great deal of poetry or a lot of books. I guess I should have read them. I read some uh, cowboy stories when I was a boy. If I could find a book written by Zane Gray, Trail of the Western Pine or something else, I mean, I'd get after that. I didn't read um, a lot of the good things that I ought to have read. But in the beginning year of my ministry, I suppose one of the greatest statements that I've ever gained and that I've never forgotten had to do with prayer. And it was written in the passing of King Arthur. When Sir Bedivere called his um, most faithful knight, uh, King Arthur called his most faithful knight, Sir Bedivere, to his bed. This is what he said. Pray for my soul. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Wherefore, let thy voice rise like a fountain for my soul, both day and night for what are men, better than sheep or goats, that nourish a blind life within the brain, if knowing God they lift not 
hands both for themselves and those who call them friends. What he's saying is this. Prayer distinguishes a man from a mule, a man from an animal. Just uh, how much better am I than the billy goat up here on the farm or uh, one of these Swiss cows if I never look up? How much better off am I a hog as he eats his acorns under the tree and never looks up to see where they come from? fact is, a hog has his ears so arranged over his eyes that he's just not built to look up. Most people are built to look up, but they won't. I'm challenging my people with this text today, pray without ceasing. I believe that that's the prayer program of the Bible. It's just unceasing. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. The disciples came to Jesus. After, no doubt, they'd heard him speak, and the words rolled from his sinless tongue, I imagine, uh, like uh, a gusher. Never wanted for words, never lacked for word, never lacked for wisdom. And uh, yet when they heard him pray, they said, that's what we want. Teach us to pray like that. Didn't say teach us to preach or teach us to sing. I don't know. You reckon uh, what kind of singer Jesus was? You ever thought about that? Didn't say a lot about him singing. He was a man of sorrow and acquainted grief. My prediction is he did sing. And whatever he did, he did beautifully and wonderfully well. I would like to have heard him sing a solo. Yes, Jesus is the master prayer. When you follow him, you'll pray. There are two things he'll teach you to do. One of them is to pray, the other is to fish for men. Put her down. And when you're following, you're fishing. You'll never follow Jesus without fishing uh, for men. And so I want to speak to you for a little while today on pray without ceasing. Job chapter 21, verse 15 said, What profit is there in it? You ever feel like uh, asking the question after you prayed and seem like you didn't get the answer you prayed for? Well, what profit is there in it? And then some people say, Well, if the Lord knows what I have need of before I've asked him, why should I ask him? Well, just let me answer that by saying you need the experience and fellowship and practice of prayer. I mean, I had an earthly father, and um, I didn't get everything I asked him for, but I'd have gotten a lot less if I hadn't asked him for what I did. I mean, I think my dad would say, well, son, if you don't want it bad enough to ask for it, you can do without. It took a lot of courage sometimes me to walk up to him in the presence of everybody in my little old timid days standing on the street talking to friends and farmers and businessmen. I'd stand there and I'd tell you, it'd take me sometimes 15, 20 minutes to screw up enough courage to ask my dad for a dime. Of course, it's different now, you know. <laughs> Average boy just reaches in his pocket, you know, gets his bill pulled, said, Dad, take out a little. Prodigal son said, Jimmy! The father he said, you have not. Because, yeah, let me give you some reasons uh, that are jotted down. First of all, he said, call unto me. He told me to call all to call. I get many calls every day. We call them callbacks. 
call back six or call back seven. Now, you know what that means? That just means call back. I mean, I got that much sense. And so I just say, call back six, please. All right. And what is the air code and the number and the name, please? Your name and your number, please. And a lot of hours are spent during the week on the callbacks, and yet they're vital. And, and many times, many times, they start off by saying, thank you for calling back. <laughs> thank you for calling back. And you know, the father, he, he leaves a lot of callbacks, doesn't he? Brother, we better call back. We better call back. And so uh, he still told us to call. He said, ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, it shall be open to you for every one of you. Every one of you that asks and receive. Brother, I tell you, he doesn't leave anybody out. Talk about reasons for prayer. You see, prayer works for everybody. I mean, everybody needs to pray. And uh, prayer is something you can do when you couldn't preach. Something you can do when you couldn't even get out of your bed. Prayer is a universal opportunity, uh, no matter where you are. And then the second reason, I think it's good to pray because you sure are in good company. You think of every great man that ever lived, he was a man of prayer. Every man that ever lifted his generation a little higher from the soil of sin was a man of prayer. The greatest thing you'll ever say about anybody, and I've been reading a little this week about George Muller and about 91 little orphans that just kind of flung in on him one time, and they came in breaking glasses and everything. And a bunch of the people said, well, didn't you pray for an orphanage? He said, here you are. What are you going to do about it? He didn't have anything. He didn't have anything. And I'm telling you, George Muller, he really prayed, but they said he was a man of prayer. And the little children never went hungry. Of course, that's back in the days before you had there's any regulations or rules. and All he had to do was just trust God for the provisions and go on. And George Muller did. Yes, dear friends, We've gone so far away from sweet Christian faith and trusting the Lord. I know why people don't pray. They don't have faith to believe they're going to get an answer. I mean, I'd, I'd never go to a banker uh, to ask him for a loan, and I hope I'll never have to go again. I hope all those days are behind me. Now, I certainly don't agree with the folks that said I had a million dollars. I could use a million dollars. I could use it today. I mean, starting in the morning at daylight, it'd go to work. But uh, I, I, I trust. But I'd never go to a banker to ask him for a five hundred or five thousand dollar loan if I didn't think he'd let me have it. And brother, if you don't have faith to believe that God delights in answering His children's prayer, no wonder you don't pray. So I believe I'd give you another reason for praying. You're in such good company when you pray. You know how the Savior got uh, Ananias to go visit Paul? Everybody knew who Paul was. Saul of Tarsus was a killer. He was a Christian killer. I mean, he was a murderer. He was known. He had his pocket full of permits from the government. I mean, and religion. I mean, he had a twofold permit to go over to Damascus and do what? Get them and bring them back bound and get rid of them. And Jesus did what I trust he'll do again. He stopped him on the road and put the heart cuffs on him. 
And when he got off of the ground and walked, blind as he could be, and he went in and sat there three days and three nights praying. And brother, I don't think he was praying about an optometrist either. I don't think he was praying about, Lord, am I going to be blind forever? I think he just uh, sort of sat in a conference with the Lord and said, uh, what would thou have me to do? I think Jesus put him in a holding pattern. <laughs> and he's waiting for further clearance. And uh, when he got ready, you know who he gave his further clearance through? Ananias. Ananias said, Lord, I understand he's a dangerous man. Ananias had faith, but he sure wanted to be sure about the order. He wanted to make no mistake. And he said, uh, Lord, I, I've heard much about this man, that he uh, is a killer of the Christians. And I understand he came over here, or was on his way, uh, to just arrest the rest of us, and I'm one of them. You know what Jesus told him? You know what the Savior told him? He said, uh, Behold, he prayeth. He's in a prayer meeting, go join him. He said, That's better now. Be right glad to go. Brother, I've never had any difficulty winning a sinner to Christ if I could get him to pray. And I'm going to tell you something else. I've never had any trouble getting a backslidden church member right with God if he'd ever start praying. I've had him to tell me, I said, I tell you, let's have a prayer meeting. I don't feel like praying. I said, praying, and oh, you pray, I'm not going to pray. I've had him to tell me, I don't want to pray. And I've had him to tell me, I don't want you praying for me either. I said, why don't you want me praying? Well, I just don't. I'm not ready to get right with the Lord, and I don't want you tormenting me. You ever been there? Sure you have. Prayer's a wonderful thing. But it's a horrible thing for the backslider or for the person uh, that's not right uh, with the Lord. So you'd be in mighty good company. And uh, let me mention this other thing. Who was the great man of prayer? Mention it, Jesus. The Bible said he uh, went apart to pray. Jesus spent all night in prayer. Reckon why? He's the only man never did sin. I have to spend a good deal of time praying about me, don't you? Now, I wouldn't mind you spending a little time praying about me. And we ought to spend some time praying about each other. It don't take long. I think it's good practice. It's good for your memory. I mean, it's good to just set you up a trail, a prayer trail, and just go down that trail every day. You'd say, that's boring. No, it's not boring when you realize those are real people you're praying for. They got some real burdens. Did you know that? I'm not the only one that's got burdens. I know I get a lot of sympathy and a lot of consolation and a lot of letters, but I tell you, I realize you got your own burdens. You got your own problems. I went home last night uh, after a conference with some people with some fresh burdens. I mean, I sure need the Lord. Did you know that my preaching ministry is at stake? I'm going to say something that's going to shock you. I've considered very seriously about leaving the ministry. Now, you think that over for a minute. And there's a strong possibility that I'm going to walk out and leave my Bible with you. You say, when? When I get to where I can't obey the Word of God. 
I'm going to quit preaching. Now, that's exactly how serious this matter is with me. When I begin to bow and scrape to the image of Nebuchadnezzar, I won't keep preaching. I'm through. You won't find me coming up here to be your pastor. I won't be heard on the radio. I'll go off somewhere and get me a little old house and make me a living and die as soon as I can, but I'm not going to preach if I can't preach my conviction. Now, you get that. Now, you'd say, Brother Wolof, I didn't know you was going to... I'm not going to leave the ministry. But I'll have to when I compromise my convictions. And any preacher ought to. Why, why stay in, in, in just treadmill? Why just go in circles? Brother, no preacher's happy preaching unless he has liberty and freedom. And I tell you, when, when the preacher sells his conscience, when he sells his conscience, he's through preaching. We've got enough Ichabod boys running across this country, and only by the grace of God am I still in the ministry. But... I feel like that it's just that essential. I believe every preacher ought to look on his ministry like that. I believe every preacher. Preacher called me this week. He said, Brother Olaf, they just booted me out. I said, I'm sorry to hear it. He said, well, they just had so many rules and regulations and laws and bylaws until I said, I, if I can't go by the Bible. And so they just gave him the boot. As a big family, just uh, booted him out. But more than likely, he kept his conscience. He's still free. And Christian friends, we're living in a time where we don't have much freedom and liberty left anywhere. The average husband's not free. He's bound. The average child is not free. The average preacher's not free. Our nation's not free. The Word of God sets men free. Well, I like that old song that said... Uh, about um, our fathers chained in prison dark, we're still in heart and conscience free. Amen? <laughs> John Bunyan, one of the freest men that ever lived for 12 years in Bedford Jail, couldn't get a license. Go back and study his life and see what you're talking about. Oh, brother, if we haven't sainted St. John Bunyan, Everybody said, great John Bunyan. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, but why? I said, why? Oh, listen, Mr. Legality. You remember him in Pilgrim's Progress? Oh, you remember how he looked for peace? And finally, you remember when he carried the old heavy load and walked up to the cross <laughs> and his old burden rolled over in the tomb? Brother... That's where our freedom comes from. Pray. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. What are we going to pray for? Let me just remind you some things. that Bible said, number one, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It used to bother me. He said, that's the only kind of peace he prayed. He said, pray. He never did tell us pray for world peace. That's a bunch of junk. I used to get together in the big stadiums and say we're going to pray for world peace. Jews and Gentiles and the Catholics and everybody get up there, you know, and we'd repeat after, I now confess my sin and so forth, and somebody'd read this and somebody'd lead in a prayer he had written out on his little old piece of paper. Brother, that didn't mount to a hill of being. The, the, the Lord wasn't in a thousand miles that place. Talk about a bunch of rigmarole. 
Brother, that wasn't worth ten. Wasted my, I didn't have a better sense. I used to get together in these great union meetings. We were singing that song a while ago. He saw me plunge. I was out here to a certain Methodist church, and we were having a big union Thanksgiving uh, meeting, you know, when we all got together, you know. We wasn't together. We just sitting out there physically, but I mean, it wasn't anything. No, nothing ever happened. Nobody ever got saved one of them things. Nothing ever did give an invitation. Never did preach enough gospel to get anybody saved. And, uh, but they thought, boy, we're all getting together in this great, yeah. And uh, we were singing. We came to that, uh, and it had a songbook, had about 700 pages in it. You talk about a hymn now, boy, he, it was full. My, it had more songs in it than you ever thought about singing, and a lot of them I didn't ever hear of. But I came to that, and we were going to sing Majestic Sweetness. I think that's good. Came that third stanza. He saw me plunged in deep distress and plunged. To my relief, for me, he bore that old shameful cross and carried all my grief. I looked at that. It's gone. I said, what happened to that? That's the best time's in there. Oh, no, I said, that's got the cross in it. Can't keep that in this hymnal. Brother, we started tearing up our songbooks many years ago. You remember that? They said we're going to take every song out that's got the blood in it and the cross. We're going to take them all out. That's the modern hymn. Then we begin to do what? Rewrite the Bible. Rewrite the Bible. Revised version. And uh, uh, good news for modern man and all the rest of it. Brother, <laughs> the living Bible and a lot of other things you see. that people and little old uh, shortcuts and modern translations that just kept on bringing God down. And he's just a regular feller now. I mean, he just, he, he looks like everybody else. and He talks like everybody else. And it don't make him no difference where you dress anymore. And uh, You just, you know, he, we, we've got him down where we are now. Oh, no, we haven't, boys. No, we haven't. I mean, we're in the biggest bogged-down hole we've ever been in, brother. You just put it down. Our nation is sunk in every way that a nation could sink. And so pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122 and verse 6. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 said, Pray for them that uh, persecute you and despitefully use you. Amen. Pray for them, too. Didn't say agree with them. Just pray for them. Pray for them. He said, pray for those that despitefully use you. And then he said, um, pray for the sick. Wouldn't it, come on now, listen to me a minute. Wasn't it a sad day when we quit praying for the sick? Did you know he told us to pray? He said, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them anoint them over with oil and pray over in the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. If they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Confess your faults. Did you get it? Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. Now, just reason with you a minute. Haven't we gotten in a bad shape physically since we quit praying for the sick? You just look. Since we turn that over to the doctors and the hospitals and the drug stores and the hypodermic needles, and all the synthetic drugs and all the stuff. I tell you, brother, we've just about wrecked our generation physically. Let me tell you something. We'll have things happen again if we'll pray. If we'll really pray. You watch and see. I tell you, that's the thing that distinguishes us uh, from modernists. Modernists never pray because they don't have enough faith to cause them to pray. Now then, you'd say, Brother Olaf, what's going to hinder our praying? Just one thing. And that's sin. 
And I'd say the big sin will be the sin of unbelief. And then all the sins of the flesh, uh, hard feelings, uh, nursing a grudge, uh, critical attitude, unkindness, and selfishness. Just don't care about anybody else. Me and my little bunch will get along all right. Let me tell you something. That'll ruin your prayer life. That'll ruin your prayer life. You know what I found out? I found out that old age doesn't cure anything. I mean, you can get old and be as mean. You can be meaner when you get older than you were when you were younger because you've had more experience. I tell you, if anything, I, 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 I don't want to live. I really don't. I don't want to live beyond the day of sweetness and forgiveness and tenderness. Oh, may God help us today to keep in touch with Jesus. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Thank you for partnering with us, and remember that Christ is the answer.